no boys worth the trouble that I'm in. My friends, they told me they said I could win. They said, don't let her get away with it. But I never should have listened. You can be Take my Bobby away Putting me down Showing everybody his ring Well, I thought I'd like to scare her a little But I never meant to hurt her or anything You can be Listen to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Molly Colleen O'Connell, uh, probably the most Irish name I have ever heard on this show. Um, latest book is uh, Difficult Loves from the Fine Folks at Domino Books, or should I just say Fine Folk? Um, and what's the name of the big green one? The Jaslyn. The Jaslyn. Yeah. <laughs> As well as you have been uh, a member or are a member of the Closed Caption Comics Collective out of um, Baltimore. And how many of those, you're in a lot of those anthologies? Um, I think the first one I was in was number three or number five. So through how many, we got nine, I think, through nine, seven and over half. Half okay. or over half. And you're also, I also have you in the uh, the weird anthology, and then the massive book you sent me, the uh, Preguntus. Preguntus, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Your title. Yeah, it's a big book. Yeah, it's really big with not a lot of pages. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like working, like, in big pages like yourself when you're drawing? Yeah, I think it um it took a while to figure out that the bigger I drew, the the better completely. Like I think you know it's just gonna get bigger and bigger. Um, I recently like done large scale painting and it like my arm can dance around better. It just like feels so stifling to try to work small. I still try to do it sometimes because it's more practical, but. Working bigger feels, you know, just feels right. It's yeah. like a pineapple smoothie or something. It feels really good. So, tell me a little bit of a uh, background uh, about yourself. Um, you're connected with these the group of folks in Baltimore, um, and I can really feel like is this comic something you kind of did coming out of art school, or are you still in art school? Like I have no idea. Like how old you are where you're at with your work. Ah, cool. I should just stay in Enigma, but <laughs> um, Canada will know nothing about me. Um, no, I, I'm out of school. I went to school with uh, Close Caption Comics. We all met. We were all in the same year. We all graduated in, like, 2008. Um, but I didn't really make comics I never like called them comics before coming to art school. They weren't. I grew up in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, and there weren't really any comic books like that. I mean, there were a few. There was this place called Past, Present, Future that my brothers always went to. That's like a real Kate and Drake's place, mm-hmm. and they would let me come with them. But it wasn't. I don't know. It took a long time until I found. I looked at a lot of, like, children's books growing up, and I would sneak into my brother's rooms and see their comics sometimes, and my one brother used to, like, make, like, remake comics, and I would look at his versions of, like, Tales from the Crypt and stuff, and I really loved his, like, shitty ballpoint pen online paper comics, like, that when they were so cool, but, um... I think the first STX I went to, um, which is the Comics Expo in Bethesda, mm-hmm. I think I went in 2006, we had a table or something, and that was the first like huge exposure I had to comics, and taking a class with Brian Ralph, um, I saw way more stuff that made a lot of sense with like what I wanted to make because to that point I was making all still images that were like illustrative and kind of weird I would just sit there and like talk for half an hour about what's happening and then finally people were like maybe you should just like draw everything that happens I was like oh okay (laughs) so I tried it um I don't know I always thought it was like a medium that I wasn't like ready for or something like, comics seems like, oh, I wish I could do that, but I never, it took a really long time to get the courage to really try it. Well, I definitely feel like when I look at your work, you're coming at it 
from really a different angle from most of the other stuff I read. And I can kind of, I, so that kind of makes sense with what you're saying. Um, when you're working on your art, is it kind of continuation of kind of some of the same themes you're doing when you're doing just illustrative pieces carrying through to what you're doing with the comics? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, the stories are always changing. There's always kind of like a new universe I'm kind of pulling from that, uh, you know, is influenced by whatever I'm looking at at the time. I'd say like the stories are kind of similar for a year or two and then there'll be some rapid shift and the stories will change. But in the drawing, I think changes. I don't know. There's not a lot of consistency. Well, what do you <laughs> mean by, by what you're looking at? Like, is there specific artists that have like kind of chimed with you or things you've read, movies? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like a little all over the place because um, my influences. I don't know, I, I watch a lot of movies and, like, books. Okay, that's not descriptive at all. So I think for a while I was looking a lot at printmaking because I studied, that was my major in school. So I was looking at, I don't know, like Kiki Smith when I was much younger and um, people like that. And then I saw Frederick Cochet's comics that were, like, the etchings. The French comic artist, you know him? I don't Talk actually. Oh, he's out on Breeze Press. He's pretty amazing. I think his book is like one of the first things I really felt because they're they're mute and then they're kind of medieval like images. There's uh, it's hard to describe if you haven't seen it, but I don't know. I think I was drawn to the kind of the stuff that I don't know I, w I just wanted to tell stories that were very um, more of a feeling more of a mood more of like like films you would watch you know where you're not given a whole lot of information you're just seeing these images and because it's in a book format they're shaping what you're feeling or yeah. or what you're gaining from it that was like one of the things when I was going through your work um, there's like I, I kind of make I always make a bunch of notes on doing interviews and one of the big things with me when I was going through this is just like it was all just kind of different words I was associating with different work um, and one of the things I was getting from one of your books was like it felt like it was more about like the movement of the characters and the figures in the work like that was kind of a predominant factor of what you're trying to do with that yeah, gesture is extremely important. I, I mean, I look at, I love um, Martha Graham, the modern dancer. Um, I look at her works a lot. Or um, Meredith Monk is like a huge influence, who um, is like a composer. She appears with Phil Glass, and she kind of combined sound and movement in this really beautiful way so I was trying to find ways to do that visually if I'm not present just give you know half the mood don't give everything but I'm trying to give more because that's kind of a a constant 
critique I think I hear is that people don't quite know what's happening or understand, which I like, but I also feel a responsibility to give some sort of story. Mm-hmm. So I try to get, I, I think Difficult Loves is the most I've tried to lay out on the table this actual dialogue and um, more uh, panels than I've ever drawn, I think, and trying to convey like time passing. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I like to hear from people that the, that it's more about mood, and I used to make books that were more of artifacts from stories that yeah. I was making. I made this book, LK Kachita, that was like a screen printed book of all these images, and it was supposed to be this pamphlet that this cult was handing out to like drug teens into joining the cult. But I don't know why I didn't just make the book about the cult. I just made <laughs> the the literature of the cult. So I kind of so like, I'm trying to get away from that. I like like personally for me like coming across an artist that's doing something like that like that excites me because like you're introducing these ideas and it's up to us as the reader to kind of find out where we are in there or find out what's going on and I don't know I like a challenge yeah I I find that you know I didn't know comics would really people who read comics would really um you know want to come with me on this horse made out of butter or whatever and like read these stories but it seems I get a good response from I because I didn't know if that was like the right medium for what I was making but um I've met like a ton of you know people who are doing really weird things with comics and it's not I'm definitely nowhere near the first person to do it but I just didn't know that there was this niche for this kind of comics and feel like really in the past few years especially I keep finding peers that I'm seeing their work and I'm like ah oh, flatten myself like they're they're I'm, getting what I'm saying you know I'm not alone yeah it's great well tell me about like because uh, Difficult Loves is published by Austin English um, and his Domino Books Empire and adorable yeah I mean Austin someone that doesn't like Austin is someone that has a problem with me then because he's like he's he's the sweetest guy Um, but also like artistically um, he's someone who I mean he's been doing this for quite a while like really doing these challenging works that are kind of more focusing on the ideas going through the work than necessarily creating like this beautiful object and I'm wondering how that's been for you kind of working with Austin on your book um, and kind of getting feedback from someone who's really in working in the same field as you? Um, it's been amazing. I um, I met Austin actually at the first STX I went to. He um, he was friends with Molly Goldstrom, who's also a part of Close Caption, and my old roommate. And um, she just kind of introduced him to the group, and he, I guess, saw my work and asked to trade, and has like terrible old like minis of mine but was really supportive even like from the first and would just like he asked me to be in his Windy Corner publication and 
you know, just always was keeping tabs with me, like, what are you doing? What are you making? And he's so productive, too. It's kind of like, oh, just me like five comics this year. I got, I got this little thing. I mean, if you want it, take it. Um, and he, when he asked me to uh, make a book for Domino, I mean, I was really, like, touched that he would, you know, believe in the work that much even when it wasn't done he just kind of saw a few images of something that was turning into that book I actually like I stayed in Sweden with him and his wife Clara and um, we would draw together and um, and yeah he just has always been insanely supportive and I really trust his taste he'll show me um, new books new artists that I am always really finding common ground with and um and his own work blows my mind constantly mm-hmm. and it only gets better all the time it's yeah i'm really interested in seeing where his work is going because i mean he's definitely there's there's something that really excites me about austin and his work and i guess the excitement that he has and what's he, what he's doing and seeing what his friends are doing yeah his work is like it feels like you're finding like a pile of like Picasso drawings or something but then they're about these really dark subjects and they just they really like grab you you have to like fall on the floor to read it you know um yeah I'm really excited that he proposed doing a project together um and I love just like sitting at a table with him and Clara who's also insanely talented at the last few shows we've done, we've like tabled together. It's been really fun. Nice. And you're going to be at? Uh, are you going to be at Brooklyn in November? I'm gonna. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be a little late. I'm organizing this big project in Baltimore, and we didn't know it falls on the same flipping day. Oh no! But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it'll be cool. I'll, I'm gonna be late, but I'm gonna be there. <laughs> But we, I am going to have stuff at the New York Art Book Fair. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm really excited about that. I've never done that show before. And when is that? That's September 27th, um, and for that whole weekend. I think it's four days nice. long. i
talk of parks and simple places Sense the thickness of the air Highly strung like nervous guitars My fingers make waves in you We're afraid to call it love Let's call it swimming We're afraid to call it love Let's call it swimming to call it love Let's call it swimming this way of exploring language um, where it feels like there's a flow to it that's kind of off-jointed a bit I guess. I'm not sure what the words I want to describe it as are coming out properly but I'm wondering about your approach is like how you kind of want to tell the stories in that way of like what do the words work for you? Um, I don't know I'm always I'm always really interested in language. I think it's partially because communicating even verbally can sometimes be difficult for me. So I just run at random with words. And in my work, there will be words that really stick with me or or, um, or kind of phrases. And then I'll, like, keep them in my memory bank. And then an image will just, like, call for it. Actually, in that book that... um that I sent you for Guntas, there's the, the opera happening, it's called Greisrunka, uh, the opera that the girl is in, and that's actually a phrase that this Swedish girl taught me, that uh, it's fantastic, it means crying while jerking off, <laughs> which we don't, <laughs> we don't have in English, unfortunately, and... <laughs> And I thought that was, like, the funniest but most amazing thing I'd ever heard. So I just, like, kept it. Like, I have to use this. And then it made sense for it. It actually inspired, like, the whole story. Um, I don't know. 
And saying English language can be really limiting until you just kind of find the nonsense in it or just pull from other languages. And I don't know, it can be a lot more poetic and more exciting for me. You did personally. see another story. Um, I think it was in one of the closed captions in the number seven, I'm thinking, with the, uh, with the Klingon isms or I don't even know if oh, it is. Yeah. And and that one like kind of I read that one first and I read all the other stuff and I can kind of see how that like kind of works with what you're doing like I don't know it was interesting. Yeah, I got I got as a gift um a Klingon English dictionary from a friend who knew me too well and um it just clicked like the it's such like a rough ugly language which is why it's beautiful and I love that someone sat down to translate it all and especially now like no one no one's going to know Klingon in 2012 well maybe some people are I mean I'm sure some people are hanging out talking in Klingon in cafes and bike shops but um, it just felt really right to especially an alien a fake alien language like felt really interesting to pull from I, I kept debating whether to add translations or not I think the last page isn't translated and I don't even know if I remember what it means <laughs> I think it means like oh the beautiful light or something so do you do you like Star Trek is this something I should ask about <laughs> yeah yeah I watched it um I I'm the youngest of seven kids holy and you so... are super Irish yeah, kind of, I guess. Um, but the so I was shown every like kind of pop culture as a kid from and each you know being the youngest, each one was at a different age and into something different. And so one of my brothers, or probably all of my brothers, were really interested in science fiction, and he would just show us the original series. Like I, I never really got on board with the newer Star Trek, but the original series is so beautiful, so perfect. Um, but, yeah, and just science fiction in general is like a big inspiration. Or alien, fake alien depictions I think are really interesting. Is it um, that you can be in this, like, other world and just unreal? I, I just love, like, people reimagining like these you can do anything with an alien life form I mean I think it's really funny how human they always end up being and they always end up being like almost kind of disappointing a lot of depictions of aliens in pop culture but that's kind of what's great it's like oh they still have marital problems or something but I like I don't know they always come out like very androgynous in their best forms and I know. Alien cultures and pop culture, I think, are great. There was that uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode where uh, it was an androgynous planet, and one of them was attracted to Riker, and she was shunned. Well, her identity became oh, female no. and was shunned. Yeah. I think I'm remembering oh, it right. No. It was pretty amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> That's terrible, Kirk. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. Give a girl a chance. <laughs> or a 
whatever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Deeply. Anyway. Um, looking at uh, Difficult Loves, I, I had a lot of different kind of things going through my head, and one, I was really curious about the whole how you paperclipped or whoever paperclipped in these photocopies of photos of the sculptures. Yeah, I got a lot of complaints. Um, <laughs> and and the the one in particular was the horse, and I kind of and maybe I'm reading way too much into this, but I'm like going through the and there's all these like sexual analogies in the book, and it's about like this sexy planet, um, maybe bad term sexy planet, but that's what I'm gonna use. Uh, and I'm so, into it. It's cool. <laughs> and and earlier you were talking about this interest in artifacts and I see this horse and I'm thinking like Trojan horse and all these analogies and so I'm yeah what's the play there <laughs> well um initially I mean the the point in that story what happens is these two snakes are going to drink um from one of two jugs and so you're kind of choosing which vessel you drink from okay so in my mind, the horse is a vessel and the and the coil pot is a vessel. And then it was supposed to be kind of choose your adventure. You would list, like, which vessel you chose, and that's the memory you see. Which the first, uh, the coil pot, you see the snake's memories of their relationship. And then the second pot, you see the memories of this, uh, woman who had drinking from the pot before you, like, who knows how many years had passed. Um, but, you know, publishing on a on a dime, you don't always get to do quite exactly what you want to do. Because <laughs> um, initially, there were going to be... Uh, well, I'm not going to talk about it initially, because I'm, I'm pretty happy, actually, with how it turned out. Um, it's just a very, like, easy way to... So you don't see the result immediately. I wanted there to be a barrier before you see what you had chosen. And if it doesn't read, it doesn't read like that, and I'm okay with it. And the, the horse vessel, that's actually a piece by my grandmother. She was a ceramicist. Okay. And, and the other piece... <laughs> This real janky pot I made when I was like, who knows, like in elementary school at some point. So I don't know. It it it's like I said. I I try to put all of the key elements there, and if it reads, that's great. And if it doesn't, the confusion and the theories people have, I think, are you know just as valid as what I intended. Do you feel like when you're doing things like that, you're kind of joining some kind of like artistic traditions with these objects, or? Um, I don't know. There was, I mean, there is always a sense because I used to make a lot of the work I made were handmade. Uh excuse me, uh, handmade artist books that were screen printed and 
cut and folded and such nonsense. So when I do make a bigger run of books, I almost feel not as connected to it. Mm-hmm. So it was also a small way like to show you know my hand and it like not a paper clipping piece of paper takes that long but it's still you know and a surprise for the reader um i don't know if austin was that into the idea but he's like just do what you want that sounds fine <laughs> <laughs> um, and i'm i'm happy with it who um, had to do the paper so. clipping oh there's still so many to do paper <laughs> I don't know. I think everybody's done it a couple times. We had an assembly line before Mocha going. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank all of my paper clippers out there. <laughs> it's much easier than the original plan would have taken forever. So, I don't know. I've had a few complaints, though, from some people like I don't get it I don't know why you did that I don't like it and that's just I mean that's just as valid they're still having a reaction it's funny like that reaction because there is a lot of um, complacency for folks reading of like this is how you do a comic and this is how it should be don't mess with it which I don't I don't necessarily agree with because I think you're kind of I don't know there's a lot, yeah, I think there's a lot of that in comics in general of, you know, just, this is the way it's been done, this is what you need to know about comics before you make a comic, and I know, you know, there's exceptions to that, but I feel it can sometimes be a very weird community to put stuff out in where people are, I don't know can be baffled by small choices like that. Um, but that's okay. I don't mind. Baby, who you calling a bitch? I'll fuck your ass up talking that shit. Don't step to me like that. Hold up. Sit down. Baby, let me tell you something. This is the 90s. And the only one that owns this pussy is me. The pussy's mine. That's right, damn it. And I can give it to anyone I choose. The pussy's mine. I can give it to another man or another woman. So shut the fuck up. The pussy's mine. Not yours. So check it. It's my, 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 it's my,
You have the the difficult loves, and then the other, uh, the Jazlyn. Um, sexual. I'm kind of curious about like the the sexuality of the books, um, at least in the titles, because um, I hear the name Vajazlin, I think of Vajazlin. Um For folks that don't know it, they can Google it. I'm not going to describe it. Um, <laughs> But tell me You're what... not gonna go there. Okay. <laughs> you can tell people. Have you heard of a vajacial? That's v- even. What's that? That's even more. <laughs> so, um, I I just thought it was just such a funny like, vajazlin is, to the extent of my knowledge, gluing uh, gemstones or yeah things you put on your cell phone to a woman's pubic area. Preferably shaved. I don't think you can do it if it's not shaved. Um, I guess you can do whatever you want. But I just thought it was a really funny title, and I was using this character that was sort of based on the Venus of Willendorf, um, which I feel like every female artist at some point or another brings her to the table. They can't not use her. Um and I was doing these single page comics um, and like the men had these very well male-ish figures they're not very sexual I mean their genitalia is hanging out but otherwise they're pretty um, you know null in form innocuous and, say again? innocuous yeah yeah and I, I don't know I just Sapphire Jasmine would be really funny, and it's funny because people never think that's what it's. They think it's Bob Vaseline, or say it wrong all the time, which is fine too. Um, I don't know. And the sexuality was so apparent; it, it felt right to just put it there, mm-hmm. just slap it on it, so we could move on. And the the stories are like to me just really funny using this character um, who's like nameless because there's so many of them. None of them could be, which is kind of like the Venus of Willendorf. There's so many fertility figures. You can't really. I mean, one is specifically the Lady of the Hour that yeah. everybody goes to. But um, I just thought it'd be funny. It's almost like they're picked up and dropped in another time and place and there there's one comic where they're kind of tourists and looking at this giant hand sculpture and just treating it like a tourist would like reading uh, literature about it and taking a photo with it and bastardizing it which happens to her all the time Yeah. and I don't know they were really I was making them I was living in California for a while, and uh, 
making weird comics like alone locked away in a room and I just had to like make myself laugh and that's kind of what happened <laughs> there's a weird like text lingo in it and um I don't know that's why I kind of made it this grandiose scale one-off thing because it wasn't they almost act more as posters than as one book or something yeah and those are pretty much the size they were drawn or they were drawn a little bit bigger um and that felt the only proper way to release them into the world there's you have an amazing kind of uh, ability with uh, pattern um, in your work, and I'm wondering about like what pattern, like what are you going for with it? Like why is it so exciting? Because um, I really see it like it's like pattern in the way of like fashion. They kind of meld together in some of the like within the, what the characters are wearing and just how the setting is shaping out. Yeah, they're they're really labored drawings. Um, I try sometimes to leave the space kind of blank, and then it just happens. I'll just like, totally cover it in pattern, and that's just you know my natural habitats are covered in um, pattern and things everywhere. It's just like a natural um, thing to go go towards. Uh, but, you know, I look at a lot of like Navajo tapestry or um, I do look at, at like current fashion to a degree and look at, you know, everything, costume. Uh, I really am interested in like opera costume or um I don't know. Look at a lot of strange rugs. I don't know. It it just makes sense um, to me to really overwork something, and then and then sometimes have the opposite happen. So there's like overwhelming amount of line and texture, and then you get this like page of rest, and then I think it makes both stronger. Um, I don't know. <laughs> to keep a balance. Uh, it's just like a natural... I think I draw differently every two years. It like kind of changes every two years, but that's been the one consistent thing. Is There's always just lines everywhere. They just kind of change form or shape. I think the thing for me with the, with the fashion thing is like, I'm not thinking like necessarily... Um you know, contemporary fashion is what people are wearing. But as much as, like, you definitely have a way of how you want your characters to look. And Yeah. Yeah, I think more costume than, like, yeah. real fashion. Um, I guess that goes to what you're saying with the opera. Yeah, and it goes back to um, looking at science fiction and, like, uh, character dressing and and set design is also like something I'm really influenced by. Um, I don't know, like I'm trying to think of examples like Cocteau's, Cocteau's Beauty and the Beasts, like 
it's an excellent film I always go back to for kind of how interestingly characters are formed by like the beast is the most gorgeous human alive or um I'm snapping and I'm tapping. I'm not thinking of like <laughs> kind of examples. Um, so yeah, well, and going back to like Martha Graham costume was like very minimal, but but important. And uh, her collaborations with like Japanese sculptors to like set the scene. Well, and it's interesting um, because you'll do you'll do these characters who will have like no pants, but have like these really intricate sweaters. Say again? You'll have characters that have like no pants and then they'll have these like really intricate looking sweaters. Alright. Like some of the the, the ski, Squeeze Brothers? Oh, the Squeezy Bros. <laughs> um, yeah, it makes more sense if you like tackle it down. Um, yeah, that that was a really interesting comic to work on. That was supposed to be like a a morning show hosted by these three brothers but they're also very I feel like a lot of times the male characters I draw are really effeminate and then the female characters have this like staunch like manly almost like drag queen quality to them and I it just constantly happens because it's more interesting to me mm-hmm. but yeah those characters the costumes were yeah those drawings took a long time um I don't know. I think it was like kind of making fun of this sitcom dad sweater. Um, like a Cosby sweater. Like, yeah, like Cosby or or any of the just traditional patriarch who, you know, he's warm, he's fuzzy, he's big, he's wearing a sweater. Um, and yet they're like these really weird, like each story about them explore some terrible secret that they have. It kind of was like Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles, you know? Yeah. Have you seen that? I love that movie. Because, yeah, but like on stage they got their thing, but then backstage they're horrible yeah. people, puppets. And all of those stories in the Squeezie Brothers are actually based on some true stories. It wasn't mine, it was someone else's. So, uh, that's that. Now, where do you kind of, as you're developing your comics, where where do you want to see yourself going with your work? Then, as far as like you've kind of you mentioned, you kind of had to work at it for difficult loves. Um, Where are you going with it? Um, I'm not sure. I think about that a lot because I love comics and I I want to continue making them for sure. But I I have lots of other projects or outshoots that, you know, call my attention. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I'll always do it and, you know, it'll develop organically, but I don't don't know if that's the end-all be-all for this guy. You see comics as one output of your artistic kind of of what you're making? Yeah, yeah, I, um, I, I don't, I, you know, comics takes a lot out of me, um, and anyone who makes them 
and I think every time I finish a book, I kind of have to do something else to clear my palate for a bit until I really, like, find a story again that I want to focus on. Um, what kind yeah. of stories or what kind of work do you go to then when you're kind of not doing comics? Um, well, right now I'm I'm in the middle of organizing, curating with some other fantastic ladies, this all-female-identified festival in Baltimore. It's our third one. It's called Prefoust, and that's happening in November. And I just finished shooting a music video uh, where I designed the set and set up the concept for the band Witch Hat, which are closed caption bitty babies. Um, and and like just doing print prints and print work and um, yeah, I don't know. We do kind of all over the gamut other stuff. It seems, I used to do musical projects, but I haven't done that in a while. It seems like you guys have a really tight thing with closed caption. Like, oh yeah. I I look at the blog and just like the photos of whoever it is that does like we go to a convention, here's our crazy time entries and like you really feel like the the camaraderie between everyone. Yeah, I think that's that's more important I think than the actual anthologies. Um and I think that every person has like a really strong even the people who aren't really in it anymore still have like a really strong personal output. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that it, it got the attention it did and still does because um, it's more like that's a reason for us to get together are the conventions and the and the anthologies which we haven't really done one in a while but are like more of an excuse like okay let's work together for a little bit or let's go do this thing and to keep us also looking at each other's work is really important when I moved I was almost died not having you know those connections around and the their opinions I really trust and they're kind of why I make comics because they were so inviting like why don't you make comics just put something in this anthology and like really encouraging um yeah, and we're not all in Baltimore anymore. Everybody's kind of... Well, one of you is in Japan. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Smith. Brian Cecil Smith. Cruising, cruising in Japan. He, he, he bobs his head in every, every few years, but I think he's, he's happy as a clam out there. Yeah. You know, he's... Yeah, uh, I don't know. He's making some pretty, some pretty good work, and... Uh, I think uh, Japan's probably been good for him, artistically at yeah. least. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm looking forward to yakking with him one day. Yeah, I... call him. He likes <laughs> to talk. You should get him on the line. <laughs> Bro! Yeah, I know. Arigato. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty cool... Luke, what happened with closed caption? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I remember walking by them when they were before I was like technically like in the club because I knew some of them already because we went to shows together and um, had classes together. And you know, Baltimore has like a crazy music scene and art scene, and so we just kind of bumped around all around. Um, but I walked by, and they were all drawn and giggling and around this big table, and it was like, oh, that is a that is a cult. I will take the Kool Aid. <laughs> you know, get me in there, sign me up. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm talking about cults. Sorry. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Molly. It's been really great, and I'm, like I said, I really am enjoying your work, and really excited to see where it's going, because um, I can totally tell, like, you're just, kind of, to me, you're just starting um, to really step up the game, and to see, yeah, keep doing good comics. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Uh, in my head all over the place, yeah. And just for my yeah. folks, I've been talking to Molly Colleen O'Connell, and her latest book is Difficult Loves from the aforementioned uh, Domino Books, and as well as Vajazlin, Um and you're in the closed caption comics anthology, as well as one of the issues of Windy Corner. Anything else that people could actually find that's still in print? I actually was in Beast Two? Oh, the that. Jacob Covey anthology. Yeah, he he slipped me in there. Nice. Um, and uh, which uh, which <laughs> mythical creature did you do? Uh, I think the Naki. Oh. She was this three-breasted, hairy, uh, woman who would hide in the water and. I think she would finish and she would pull sailors and children into the water, entranced by her. Like, her front was beautiful with three titters and, you know, kind of total recall moment. But then her back was hairy and messy and oily and not cute. What was your uh, attraction to doing that character, that, that creature? Was it your choice or were you assigned to it? Uh, this was a few years ago. I think he he had a list of characters, and I looked at all of them, and at the time was kind of drawing a lot of weird hairy women with boobs. It just like made sense. Um, <laughs> I think I, I I think at first that's why I didn't want to draw it, but then it just was too uh, exciting. And I think I made a screen print. Noel's in that book also, Mr. Freibert. Freebirds. Another talented captioner. Yeah. I don't remember. He did some leaping frog thing. <laughs> Japanese. Well, I'll make sure to I look. Know, it's a fun, yeah, it's a funny book to like, remember. Oh, yeah, I've seen that thing. I totally forget about it, too, because there's tons of great people in them. So, in, in both. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if they... I think they only ever planned to do two, I don't think. Yeah, no, it's only it two. In the run. He was done. He did his books. Over it. He's over it. He's going back to collecting Ninja Turtle comics. Oh, God. That sounds great. 
and I think that's I think that's it though. Awesome. Those things. That I'm in. Oh, I I'm gonna be in the next uh monster. Oh nice. Book. Yeah. That's the uh Fort Thunder anthology. The next one sounds insane. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool names going in that one. Yeah, tons of cool shit, and it's going to be huge. And all of the, the sock and weird... I think I'm in... Both oh, of yeah. the sock. Have you seen the sock comics? No, I've got the weird, but I don't have the sock. I'm going to... Uh, sock is, is um, edited by Connor Stetcholte. Mm-hmm. Those are really great. Erotic comics. Gets real filthy and shoots you. And just wear a bib when you read it, or I don't know, put some plastic down. As long <laughs> as I don't start crying. Oh God! Well, I, okay. <laughs> it's funny because that term, I the more I like researched it, it's actually like supposed to be a really like affectionate term. <laughs> Like, oh, you're leaving. I'm, I'm crying while jerking off. I'm gonna miss you or something. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Thank you so much. TMI. This is okay. great. Cool. Well, thanks, Robin. Stored on the shelves of my memory, my thoughts are in perfect array. My life runs smooth like a highway. Billboard, show me the way. My way of life has the glamour of an artificial neon ad. I need overwhelming information for a complete shopping list. Acrylic colors oscillate my eyes when I walk down a drugstore aisle. Again. What should I do? 